I'm Lance Earl, and this is Ask Your Bishop Podcast. This is the podcast where we compare and contrast the Word of God as it's preserved in the Bible with the teachings of Mormonism and attempt to do it in a way that will raise questions that will leave most Mormon bishops, if not all, without an answer. Have you ever longed for a better way to reach out to your Mormon friends and neighbors? A way that could share the gospel with them without causing offense? You see, so many people try, and so often, the more they try, the more people's minds are closed. As a married couple, Lance and Grace spent 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness of Mormonism. During that time, they served the church in high levels faithfully. What they didn't know then is that God was preparing them so that they might come to you and share ways and insights on how to reach out to your Mormon friends and neighbors in a way that won't cause offense. I was recently uh, impressed with the parallels and, and the similarities of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and John 1, 1. Genesis 1 reads, In the beginning God created heaven and earth. And John 1, 1 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the interesting thing here is that both passages teach exactly the same thing. In the beginning, God. Now, the first one is literally, In the beginning, God, and the second one is in the beginning was the Word, but then it goes on to say that the Word was God. So both are specifically saying, in the beginning, God. Now, I find this interesting because my best understanding of the Greek and the Hebrew is that God was there in the beginning. Now, as men, we have a hard time conceiving of anything that doesn't have a beginning and an end. So for us, the way our mind works, the way our logic processes things, we think, well, let's go clear back to the beginning. And these passages are saying, if we go clear back to the beginning, God was already there. And if God was already there, then there must be a beginning before that beginning. And so if we go clear back, you see, the point is, No matter how far you go back, no matter how far back into the past you reach, God was already there. In the beginning, God. Now, as a Mormon, a Mormon of 60 years, I could never conceive of a God who didn't have a beginning. In fact, I had many authoritative sources, well, Mormon sources, which claim to be authoritative, which boldly declared that the Mormon God did have a beginning and that before his beginning, he did not exist, except for, for perhaps as, a, as an intelligence of some sort. But essentially, he did not exist, not his spirit, not his body, not his existence, not, not any part of what I understood to be the Mormon God existed before his beginning, which was a certain point in space and time. One of the things that uh, most impressed me as a young man was the couplet of Lorenzo Snow. He said, as man now is, God once was, and as God now is, man may be. 
President Snow's son, Leroy, later said the prophet Joseph Smith confirmed the validity of the Snow couplet. And he wrote, this was recorded in the Improvement Era in 1919, and this is what Leroy, the son of Lorenzo Snow, wrote. Soon after his return, his return being Lorenzo Snow, soon after his return from England in January of 1843, Lorenzo Snow related to the prophet Joseph Smith his experience in Elder Sherwood's home. This was in a confidential interview in Nauvoo. The prophet's reply was, Brother Snow, that is a true gospel doctrine, and it is a revelation from God to you. Now we have Lorenzo Snow and we have Joseph Smith saying that as God is now, we may be, and as we are today, fallen, broken, heathen, enemies of God, God once was. Now the interesting thing to realize is that when Joseph Smith first started writing and first started talking about gold plates and Book of Mormon and establishing the church, he taught something very, very different something that directly opposes the Lorenzo Snow couplet. The title page of the Book of Mormon makes an astounding claim. It says that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. And now, additionally, the Book of Mormon in many places speaks of the eternal God and the eternal Father. So Joseph Smith taught of a God for all eternity, from everlasting to everlasting, Joseph Smith taught of this God, and Joseph Smith believed in an eternal God with no end. And then shortly before his death, Joseph Smith actually produced something very different, and his teachings literally flip-flopped. He literally came out against his own previous well, he called them revelations from God, and he came out in opposition to those things, and he wrote this in the King Follett sermon. God himself was once as we are now, and is an exalted man, and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. In order to understand the subject of the dead for consolation of those who mourn for the loss of their friends, it is necessary that we should understand the character and being of God and how he came to be so. For I am going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God, and to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another, and that he was once a man as like us. That God himself, the Father of us all, dwelt on an earth, the same as Jesus Christ himself did. Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God. And you have got to learn how to be God yourselves and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you. By going from one small degree to another and from a small capacity to a great one, from grace to grace, from exaltation to exaltation, until you attain to the resurrection of the dead and are able to dwell in everlasting burnings, to sit in glory as do those who sit enthroned in everlasting power. This is from the King Fallot Sermon, a talk that Joseph Smith gave at Nauvoo, Illinois, 
April 7th, 1844. I love the symmetry, the unity, the the cohesive message of Genesis 1 and John 1. But all that becomes lost when we examine the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. You see, he translated the Bible and he gave us a new version of John 1.1. Let me read that to you. In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son. And the gospel was the Word, and the Word was with the Son, and the Son was with God, and the Son was of God. Let's break this down a little bit. So, first of all, in the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son. So, the Son, being Jesus, preached the gospel, but more importantly, the gospel was the Word. So, the Word, as we read it in John 1, 1, no longer represents Jesus, but simply represents the gospel. And I'm I'm very frustrated and very concerned and, and actually offended by this because now Jesus, who came to fulfill the law and to bring grace that we might be saved from our sinful nature, he is no longer that Savior, but the word now represents more law that we cannot keep because the Bible tells us that the keeping of the law never saved anyone, that no one is saved by keeping the law. Now, not only did this passage reduce the word from being God to being the gospel, but it also reduces the son. It says that the son was with God and the son was of God. You see, Jesus is no longer God. He is no longer the third person in the triune God. He is no longer God at all, but he is simply of God. He is a creation of God, and that makes him nothing better, nothing more glorious, nothing more important than you and I, because we also are simply creations of God. If this passage is not the height of heresy, I have no idea of what other thing could rise to a greater offense against the eternal God. This is simply, well, you get my point. Now, remember that the Joseph Smith translation said that the word, not being Jesus, but the word was the gospel. Well, let's have a look at what the gospel is. Now, this comes from the churchofjesuschrist.org. It is the official website of the Mormon church, and it gives a definition of the gospel. It says, in its fullness, the gospel includes all the doctrines, principles, laws, ordinance, and covenants necessary for us to be exalted in the celestial kingdom. So this is going right back to what Joseph said, because exaltation in the celestial kingdom is simply to become a god. And just like Joseph Smith said in the King Follett Discourse, you have got to learn to become gods. And so the gospel includes, and let's go back through this again, it's, it's important, the doctrines, principles, laws, ordinances, and covenants necessary for exaltation. Now here's the rub. Find a member and ask them if they can name for you every one of these items, every law, covenant, commandment, ordinance, principle. They can't do it. Now, if they can't name for you the parts of their gospel, how can they ever hope to satisfy that gospel? 
Grit and Grace is our story. It is the story of rescue from Mormon chains and redemption in Christ Jesus. Check the link in the show notes below. This concludes part one of In the Beginning God, where we examine Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1 and contrast it with Mormon teachings. Be sure to check back with us tomorrow when we will continue this examination and end with questions no Mormon bishop will ever be able to answer.